Hello and welcome back to the Elon MBA show. I'm Jack Prohensky. Join you as I always do. Today is Monday, October 18th. We are one day away from the start of the NBA season. By the time you hear this, we already will have seen the marquee matchups of the Eastern Conference semifinal rematch of last year, the Bucks and the Nets, and a Western play-in game from last year, the Warriors versus the Lakers. So there were a couple things that happened after last week's recording that we didn't get to cover from the Eastern Conference. Uh, one of them happened right after I finished recording, but I just thought I'd cover it now. Ben Simmons arrived in Philadelphia. He took a COVID test. Um, unaware, nobody was aware that Simmons was actually going to be at the facility during one of the preseason games against Brooklyn. And he showed up and he practiced with the team for the first time on Sunday. And Doc Rivers said he doesn't think that it'll be a problem integrating Simmons back into the system. But as we know from Philadelphia fans, it really only takes you one game to get on their bad side. And Simmons already had that game seven. I don't really foresee a future in which Philadelphia fans are very nice to him. But, you know, there's always that possibility that it happens. But I err on the side of no, that's probably not going to happen. And Kyrie Irving, uh, Tuesday morning last week, the Brooklyn Nets decided that they were not going to let him play in away games or home games. Uh, that was the mandate, but they weren't going to let him play in away games, and they will have to pay him his salary for those games uh, that he doesn't play in that are away, but until he's vaccinated, he cannot be a full-time member of the team, to quote uh, general manager. So even I feel like Kyrie, you know, is as weird as this all is, I really think there's a world in which he does come back. And if he does come back, he's just going to slide right back into the lineup. And if he ever does decide to get fully vaccinated, you know, Patty Mills just gets bumped down to the bench. Uh, I really wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. And the other odd thing is Kyrie went on Instagram live and rambled for about 27 minutes. Um, I commend you if you watched all 27 minutes, I only watched about 30 seconds and read the rest through article summaries, but God bless you if you did that. Uh, so he's not anti-vaccine so much as just anti-following the crowd, anti-making decisions that the rest of the country is making, even though it's for the health and safety of the rest of the country. And yes, I get you have hesitancy to, uh, to take a vaccine. Uh, and yes, thank you everybody for putting it on your Instagram story and reminding me that, um, Kyrie has done a lot for the community uh, and that's great and all, but it's science. And, you know, I, I don't think we need to spend any more time talking about Kyrie. Uh, hopefully it's the last time we talk about him in an off court, off the court context like this and the whole off season drama that he's created. So today at 6 PM, we have the deadline 6 PM Eastern standard time, the 2018 rookie class extension deadline. So there were, Several players that got extended. Uh, the most controversial was number one, former number one pick, uh, DeAndre Ayton, not getting extended, which we will cover later. But these are the players that got extended uh, for their different contracts. We had Luka Doncic of Dallas, Jaron Jackson Jr. of Memphis, Trey Young of Atlanta, Wendell Carter Jr. of Orlando, uh, Mikhail Bridges of Phoenix, Shea Gilgis Alexander of Oklahoma City, Michael Porter Jr. of Denver, Kevin Horder of Atlanta. Grayson Allen of Milwaukee, 
and Landry Shamit of Phoenix, along with Robert Williams of Boston. So those are the, all the guys that got extensions. Um, definitely some questions on why Aiden didn't get extended, which we're covering right after this, actually. But definitely all those guys deserve that bag. Um, the Supermax guys, you know, obviously we have Luca, Trey, Porter Jr., Gilgis Alexander. So, yeah, really happy to see all those guys get the money. So moving on, those are just a couple of things we missed over the past week, but we're going to get right into the real contenders right after this break. So the real contenders. So I placed three teams in this category. Uh, We have the Suns, the former Western Conference champion, the Phoenix Suns. They went to an NBA Finals with their first year of Chris Paul. And the reason I'm so high on this team is they have an identity. They've had it since Chris Paul has arrived. I know what I'm signing up for with Phoenix, and I know what I'm getting from a Monty Williams team from with a leader like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So people can say what they want, that they got injury breaks in the first round with no Anthony Davis, or limited Anthony Davis, rather. They had no Jamal Murray because of his ACL tear. They had no Kawhi because of his ACL tear. But they were still a really good team. I think that people underrate what they could have been facing in full squads like that. And I don't think this is talked about enough, but nobody remembers an asterisk, quote unquote, run a few years removed. They remember who got there, who won, who was able to execute. And that's what Phoenix was able to do so much of last year. They won so many games last year. And I think people are underrating. I think they think it was just a fluke because there were a lot of injuries last year. LeBron wasn't fully healthy, but they're a damn good team and they have a lot of quality players on their team, like such as Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne, Dario Saric. And they didn't even have Saric in the finals to back up Ayton. Granted, Saric probably wasn't going to do a whole lot against Giannis, but he could have done a little bit more than some of their other bench could. So the real controversy with Phoenix as of recently has been the fact that they did not pay DeAndre Ayton the five-year Supermax. So my question is, what more did Ayton have to do to prove himself? There was nothing more he had to do. He leaned into this culture this year that Monty Williams created. He said, if you do what we ask you to, we're going to get you where you want to go. He sacrificed a lot more shots that he could have taken. He played off of Chris Paul. He caught all these lobs. He benefited his game tremendously. He was playing basketball at the highest level for all of last year, all because of Chris Paul, all because of Monty Williams. And Robert Sarver, we've seen this a hundred times over with him is too cheap to pay him that five-year supermax. And Woj reported today that the Suns raised the concept of a four-year max or even a three-year max, but those talks didn't progress and the sides ended discussions without a deal today. And DeAndre Ayton allegedly is very unhappy with the Suns' decision. We haven't heard from him. We haven't heard him speak to the press yet, but I'm assuming that's coming very soon. But... It's just a shame because if they have to try to match an offer sheet, it's going to be really hard to do that because they don't have this contract in place and they're going to have to pay maybe a little more money than if someone tries to offer him. Just, 
boatloads of money and they could have just signed the extension right here and now, which is unfortunate. I truly hope we see this Phoenix core stay together because they were a joy to watch last year. But the good thing is they did lock up Mikhail Bridges for four years, 90 million. They got Shamit four years, 43 million. And they're still going to be a really good team. I think DeAndre Ayton, he's still going to play his, his ass off. He's going to, he's going to work his tail off. It's, it's going to be, it's, he's going to prove himself. And I think that's what Phoenix wants to see from him this season. I think they want to see it again. They want to see him win again at the highest level. They want to see if they can make it another deep playoff push. And I mean, you have another question. Can Jalen Smith take a leap? Maybe JaVale has a good bat, reliable backup. But this is really based all around DeAndre Ayton because they already paid Chris Paul. They already paid Devin Booker. So I really hope we see this Phoenix core remain together over the next couple of years. But yeah, the Lakers, they went 0-6 in the preseason. They traded for Russell Westbrook, obviously, this offseason. They got rid of a lot of players. They got rid of KCP, Montrezl Harrell, uh, Kyle Kuzma. They got rid of their draft pick, who they ended up giving to the Wizards, the 21st pick. Um, and they lost a lot of players. They lost a lot of solid role players. KCP was a big part of that bubble run, uh, when he was just shooting the heck out of the ball. And I think there's some worthy questions around them. Uh, just as one would wonder, how does Russell Westbrook play effectively with LeBron James? It's a valid question. Uh, so I think a lot of the Russ addition was that they wanted someone who can carry them through the regular season at points because Russ has a super high motor, almost as high as Giannis. I'm not saying he's anywhere as good as Giannis because he's not. He's nowhere close, but there's going to be points in this regular season where he carries them incredibly. But I think the real concerns come, the real concerns with Westbrook are going to come playoff time. So you're going to give LeBron and Anthony Davis rest in the regular season, but you just you have these questions. You have these this lingering question in the back of your mind. No matter how good it looks in the regular season, how can Russ play effectively off the ball when you figure LeBron is going to be dominating a majority of these possessions? Because Daryl Morey had to get rid of all the centers in Houston for Harden or for Westbrook to be able to play effectively next to one of the most prolific shooters and scorers in the game and Harden of all time. And they got smoked in what smoked in five games by the Lakers. And that ultimately ended with Harden going to Brooklyn and Westbrook headed to Washington and they get John wall, the worst contract in NBA history to date, at least at this current state and time. And it just, it didn't end very well for them. So they're a veteran team. The preseason doesn't matter to them, so going 0-6 doesn't necessarily worry me. But what I'm still going to be worried, I'm still going to be worried if there's issues and they're in the play-in game and they're a 7 or 8 seed and they're on the fence and it's coming down to Carmelo Anthony threes. Because I saw Melo in a preseason game. I just happened to catch it. He hadn't scored a single point yet. And then um, he scores one open three after taking a couple shots and then he... uh, puts the three sign to his headband and he's, you know, tapping his head and you're like, Oh boy, this, I don't know how I feel about this. So another thing that I think a lot of people want to see is, is Anthony Davis going to play more five this season? He's never wanted to play center, but he's just a dominant force. And I think what worries me is 
he was so stinking good in the bubble that I think people's perception of what Anthony Davis is is kind of skewed because he is not someone in his career who always made all those mid-range shots, who always made all those threes. I think his bubble numbers were way up. He can definitely get back to that, but I don't think it's very realistic if that he's going to be as prolific as he was in the bubble. And you have Malik Monk out there as your best shooter, so that gives me some questions about depth. But with all those concerns that I've listed, you still have two of the undisputed top 10 players at this point in time at, at, during this season, and you have Russell Westbrook to back them up and carry them throughout a lot of the regular season, and they're still going to win a lot of games. I don't think they're going to win go over or would they go over they would go over 52 and a half i think i'd bet the under on that but they still have so much potential and it's lebron james and even though it's year 19 he's still an elite dominant force arguably the greatest player of all time and the last team in this category is the utah jazz so the utah jazz i think were exposed last season in the playoffs so every single year in the regular season they're going to win at least 60 games at minimum, with this core that they've accumulated in Conley, Mitchell, and Gobert. So the one thing that we need to see more of is can they play small? Can they capitalize when Gobert is off the floor? Can they learn to play without him in the playoffs? Because when they when the Clippers did five out last year, even without Kawhi, they were cooking him. They were slicing and dicing him, and he could not figure out the solution to it. And I really, I want to see a health. I want to see Rudy Gobert. I want to see him succeed, but there's just going to be stretches where the Jazz are going to have to learn how to survive without him. And Mitchell may be the guy who takes another step. Now, Mike Conley, he was definitely injured for a lot of points last season, but I think we we all want to see what Donovan Mitchell looks like coming into this season because he has a hunger that he he is just a hard worker, and I don't think. He's one of those guys who, I mean, he could be a potential MVP candidate. He could be a potential dark horse. I mean, I just remember hearing stories about him at Louisville. And there was one day where an NBA draft scout came by and, you know, they kind of just take notes in the stands. They were watching the practice and not no players ever come up to the Mitchell. Obviously, he recognized that this guy was a draft scout and he comes up to him and he says, uh, what can I do to get better to improve my game for the NBA? And the guy's kind of like, whoa, like there's nobody who ever does this. There's nobody who ever asks about this. And he's a special player and he can take another leap because he just has that drive. Um, I, I think Eric Paschal, he's a good backup that they acquired from the Warriors to back up O'Neal on the wing. It's a contract year for Hassan Whiteside. So we'll know that he'll actually care. Um, Jared Butler, he had that little health scare last year. Uh, I'm very happy that you know he, his medicals were cleared. He's one of the best players in college basketball last year for a Baylor team that won the national championship with him being the Final Four MVP. Um, so the Jazz, they're going to go way over 53.5. They're, they're going to win a lot of games. My question isn't about the regular season with them. It's about what do they do in the playoffs how does Bogdanovich improve his shooting? How does all how do all these players factor in? Can can uh, Royce O'Neal take another step? Can Donovan Mitchell be be a top fifteen guy? Because I think he has that in him. So next team, 
teams are out of the play and fray. So the Nuggets, uh, they're over under set at 47 and a half. And I think the biggest question about them with Murray out for what is going to be at least until March, uh, maybe April, maybe even May, maybe even June, who knows? Uh, you, we're so delicate with how we take care of ACL tears, uh, in this day and age, because we want the, we want, we want it to be fully recovered. Uh, so the big question is, can Michael Porter Jr. Take this leap into this upper echelon, uh, guy who's not necessarily a star, but he can be, he's that 20 point per game type of player next to Nikola Jokic up until the point that Murray comes back. So he got this contract, which is worth up to $207 million, uh, if he makes an all-NBA team or an all-star appearance this year. So that would be five years. But, I mean, Michael Porter, he's just so incredibly talented. I mean, there was that story that he told on JJ's podcast a couple weeks ago. I mean, how the Clippers passed on him, and they basically said, like, you're never going to play in the NBA. And that he had, he had some of the worst medicals ever since, like, he had – the worst medical is since a guy like probably like Brogdon, who's, you know, doing just fine, just signed an $89 million extension, but he's, he's doing just fine. But they said he never play. The Clippers had back-to-back picks. They selected Gilgis Alexander, which you can't really blame him for that one. And then Jerome Robinson, who's not even on a team anymore. And Porter Jr. is one of the four guys who got a super max offer. So I think, you know, he's a guy who's always in the gym for what Mike Malone says. And I'm really excited to see if he can be this guy who steps up and really takes a leap and takes a stride in his offensive game and helps the Nuggets win games because Jokic could still go back to back for MVP. And the thing was last year when Murray went down in April, they were a super confident team without him. I mean, they went 13 and five to end the regular season without him. And now you have a full training camp with Aaron Gordon you have Jeff Green, who was amazing for Brooklyn last year. You have this great draft pick in Bones Highland out of VCU. And then you have a solid rotation of point guards that can get you through the regular season up until Jamal Murray comes back. And he's obviously going to take over the reins in the playoffs. But you have Monte Morris, Will Barton, Faku Compazzo. They're reliable enough to carry a load in the regular season. And Jamal Murray's game is just, it's it's so... It's so it's going to be incredibly easy to integrate into the lineup, and if Porter takes the step that we all think he can, then they're going to be a scary team, and they have incredibly good odds to win this championship as a team that maybe comes in as like a four or a five seed. And next, the only other team in this category I put is the Warriors, and I know I said just a couple minutes ago the thing about asterisks, but this is an asterisk. Do the Warriors get a healthy Clay Thompson back by a January or February time slot? So, I mean, 47 and a half, I think they could easily go over that. But the ceiling of what this team is, is what Clay is when he gets back. He used to be a top five wing defender. He was guarding LeBron in those final runs. You know, I think I think we can all agree. I think it's pretty unanimous. We, we know Clay is going to be able to shoot when he comes back. We don't have questions about that. What we do have questions about is how he looks on the defensive side of the ball because the Warriors need a perimeter stopper. And that's why I still have the frustration that they didn't take a guy like Davion Mitchell out of Baylor because he was just a rock solid defender. He was going to get in people's grills. I don't care that he was what, 
three years older than most other draft picks because Moses Moody and he he may get into the rotation some, but Jonathan Kaminga clearly isn't. Uh, but the thing is, they're not guys. They're not going to be able to defend guys like Davion Mitchell could have for this team. He could have slid in immediately because his offense is clearly translated to the NBA, and I, I, he's been phenomenal to watch in Sacramento so far. But it's really about what Clay is when he comes back. You obviously have Draymond still. Uh, you hope that his offense isn't quite as abysmal as it was last year when it looked like he was shooting with the piano on his back uh, literally every time he shot a three. But, I mean, he's still an all-NBA defensive caliber player. I mean, and there's one man who this team, uh, all the weights fall upon it. It's Stephen Curry, and I think there's enough said. There was points last season where Steph was averaging 40 points over the span of a month, and he's in the prime of his career. I don't see him declining anytime soon, but you have to make the most of this window that you have with him. So the next thing is, is the Jordan Poole leap for real? So we saw him be really good to close out the season last year. And there were videos of him working out with Clay, keeping up with his three-pointers in the offseason. And I really think Jordan Poole is legit, and I think he's here to stay, which is awesome because, I mean, we all remember the shot he hit against Michigan or the shot he hit against Houston in the Elite Eight a couple years ago. But I think he's legit. If you slide him into the six-man spot and you when you bring Clay back, I think that's a perfect role for him. Um, he's taken so many strides. He's hitting threes at an above average rate. And you have Nemechi Belitsa, Belitsa. I'm not going to attempt to say that. He's playing the small ball five. And I think defensively, there's some questions there, but offensively he's really skilled and talented. And I, I like, I like to see that that's working out. Wiggins, obviously he got vaccinated, he could have been an all-defensive second team last year if a couple things went his way. Maybe a thigh injury occurred or something. But, I, yeah, I he he's really good. Uh, he's he's in a right in the right role now. I don't think Iguodala has that much left in the tank. He didn't look that good for Miami last year. But, you know, playing next to Steph Curry can reinvigorate your game, though. Who knows? We could, we could definitely see that. Uh, and the last thing about the Warriors. Now I know this is the preseason, but just in the preseason games that they've played, they have averaged 53.2 attempts per game from three. Just in the preseason, that's seven higher than any other team. Now that's compared to their 38.7 attempts last, last season. The Warriors fans have nicknamed Otto Porter Jr. Otto Corner Jr. because he's looking prolific on catch and shoot corner threes. And you still have JTA, Juan Toscano Anderson. He's still putting up lots of points. He's looking great on defense. He's a real NBA player. And this is going to be a fun team to watch no matter what Clay comes back looking like. I mean, you would also hope that Wiseman can come back at some point. I doubt he'll play. It seems like Kevon Looney is going to be playing the brood of the minutes at center along with Bielitsa. But Wiseman, hopefully he comes back healthy from that meniscus tear. He's going to be reevaluated on November 1st. But 
I mean, it's it's just unfortunate. He's in a weird situation compared to most other high draft picks. I mean, he just couldn't catch the ball inside last year. They made the decision to bench him. When they brought him out, he tears his meniscus. You really hope that you can see Wiseman back in action soon enough. So the tier below the Nuggets and the Warriors are the teams that aren't out of the play and fray. Uh, I have the Blazers to start out. Uh, they're set at 45, 44 and a half. Um, I still have the same question that I seem to always have that everybody seems to always have about the Blazers is their defense. Um, so th- over the summer, there was some confusing messaging from Damian Lillard. We had the whole Chris Haynes report that said he wanted to see if Portland could actually show him how to win when he was over in Tokyo for the Olympics. And so is, so it seemed, and then he dispelled these rumors apparently and said they're not true, even though he did the story with Haynes. Um, it is a weird thing. And then that's kind of where the Ben Simmons stuff comes into this. To, can you get a package that either involves CJ or does it involve Dame or does it involve somebody else? I mean, do you slide Dame in next to Embiid or is it vice versa? Do you do Simmons next to Dame? And do you have this sort of Golden State style type thing? And there's a three-way trade that can happen. Who knows? Their defense did get slightly better. They added Larry Nance Jr. I do like that. He's good. He's been underrated for his career in Cleveland. Um, you know, they got Norm Powell last offseason. I love Norm Powell. Uh, he can't really defend, but that three-guard lineup is going to be lethal. You know, you have C.J. McCollum. You finally have Nurkic healthy after what feels like three years of Nurkic injuries. Uh, you have Robert Covington, who everybody loves. Solid 3 and D player, but that's really the end of their playoff rotation. Like, you have Anthony Simons, I guess, but he's not really going to play a whole lot. I, maybe you have Nasir Little for a little bit. Maybe Greg Brown comes turns into something. Uh, but other than that, you don't have a whole lot. But when you do have a top 10 player, when you have a Damian Lillard, you have to capitalize on that. You have to capitalize on having just a special talent, and you have to hold out. They have a lot of leverage right now. They can get a big return for Damian Lillard. They can get, but when Dame starts to ask out, that's when the cards turn and maybe we get to February, maybe we get to January and the team isn't looking good. You have a couple injuries. You have a Norm Powell injury. You have a CJ injury, which always seems to happen. And they're in the seven, eight spot and Dame's like, we're exactly where we always are every single year. I want out. I want to go play with Joel Embiid. I want to go play with, I don't know. I want to go play with Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. I know the math doesn't work out there, but I, I, yeah, he could ask out. He very well, he, maybe he wants to go to New York, something like that. He wants to go play with the Knicks. Yeah, there's they, they had injuries break their way. They made it to a Western Conference Finals. They got swept in four by the Warriors. I just don't see how this is going to end any differently without a serious offseason addition like it always does for them. So next team, Dallas. So they're set at 48 and a half. Uh, I think I'd go just under because I really have serious questions about the Jason Kidd hire after reading Mirren Fader's Giannis book. It just, I don't know how that's going to work out. And another thing is that this may be the year where Luka gets that Giannis treatment 
that sort of resentment that he starts becoming really heavily doubted more than anything else. And he gets this almost resentment after he won the two MVPs. He lost to Toronto in one year. Then he loses to Miami in the next. They have the Giannis wall. They they can stop him. They figured it out. And they're like, well, yeah, this guy does it in the regular season every year, but he can never break through and win a championship. And you have to be a special caliber. You have to be a special talent to be in this breath, to be discussed like this. And it's it very well could happen to Luca this year, as it did to Giannis at the begin at the end of last season and throughout the course of this season. But the issue is that there's just not a lot of change of uh, what the team is around him. The ideal team to have around Luka Doncic is just three-point shooting, and they really don't have a lot of that. You have Reggie Bullock. I mean, you have uh, Dodo or Dorian Finney-Smith. You have uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., and all those guys are streaky at best. Tim Hardaway is your best bet. Uh, who knows what the deal is with Porzingis? I mean, he's been injury rattled for years you have a healthy Dwight Powell finally but I think the thing to think about is especially with Dallas is they have had unfortunate luck playing the Clippers for the past two years in the playoffs which is honestly the worst matchup you could ask for with guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George that you can throw at Luka Doncic and they can just they can't cut off his water, but they're going to wear him down because Kawhi is one of the greatest defenders ever. And PG is one of the greatest wing defenders ever. But I think with this doubt that he's going to possibly encounter this season while still being a possible MVP candidate, he's probably the favorite for MVP candidate. Maybe in a couple of years, Luca's winning a championship, but I don't think they have enough this year and they could be frisky. They could make it to the second round, but I Luca just, it's going to take an otherworldly performance for him to do it alone because they don't have enough shooting unless they do something crazy at the deadline. But I'm interested to see how the locker room handles kid being there. I'd really encourage everyone to read the mirror and fader book to just get a little more insight on just kind of the atmosphere that kind of was created in practices and locker rooms uh, that kind of affected the bucks very negatively. So the Grizzlies, 41 and a half. I'd hammer that over. So Jaws Jumper has become so much more reliable. He got his first taste of the real playoffs against Utah. They obviously had the playing game against um they had the playing game against Portland in the bubble a couple years ago. But this team, this is a fun young team. I mean, they got Desmond Bain last year in the draft out of TCU. And you know, I watched him dribble a couple times. And I was like, oh, dude, maybe just stick to shooting. But watching the preseason games, he can put it on the floor now, and he knows how to handle the ball real well. And Dylan Brooks, um, you know, he I think he's their second best player. I honestly do. Uh, there's an irrational confidence factor that he has that he definitely shoots too much sometimes, but sometimes that's what you need. And he's going to be a great uh, wing defender one day. Jaron Jackson, they extended him for for 105, I believe. And they got rid of Valanchunas, who was a guy you could really run set plays for last year. And they replaced Valanchunas with Steven Adams. And Steven Adams is, I think everybody forgets that he's only 28 year, years old. 
Like, bro, what? He's 28? They have a lot of young pieces. I mean, they got Xavier Tillman. They got Brandon Clark. And, you know, Brandon Clark uh, in the preseason, his shot is definitely – it looks bad. He's reverted back to his old Gonzaga self. Um, I mean, but he looked really good in his uh, first year after he changed it up from Gonzaga and – I mean, this is a guy who made four threes in a play-in elimination game against the Blazers. And it's really unfortunate to see that he's kind of gone back to the old way. And, I mean, he just he, he wasn't in the rotation at all for them uh, against Utah last year. Uh, so I really hope you can see him get back because BC was a special talent his rookie year. And he was looking like maybe the steal of draft. They got him at the 19th pick, I believe. You have a healthy Tyus Jones for the first time in a while. You got Jarrett Culver for nothing. The Zaire Williams draft pick was great. I mean, he seems like an amazing kid. I mean, he seems like just so incredibly smart. I mean, he, he went to Stanford. I mean, I, I he that's he said once the ball stops bouncing, like I want to be able to do something with my life. And man, I mean, I just listened to him on Verno's radio show in Memphis, and he sounded like just one of the He's incredibly bright, and I think he's he's got to put on some muscle, obviously. But the Grizzlies have just so much young talent, and they know how to play each other. They like each other. Morant is going to take that step this year. I really think it's it's going to be insane to me if he's not an all-star this year But because I think, barring, inj- barring injury, of course, but he, he is going to become something great. Jaron may take another step as well. But this is going to be a really fun team to watch. And Taylor Jenkins is a phenomenal coach. And everybody says the greatest things about him. And this is this is a great team. And looking at Morant compared to Zion, I don't think any of us thought this was how the situations would be looking back at the 2019 draft. I think all of us definitely thought Zion was going to be in a much better situation and Man, it is just the polar opposite now. So teams that I have in the play-in that I think one of them is pretty undisputable barring a Paul George injury. But So I have the Clippers, and they're set at 45.5. I'd take the under on that just because I look at their roster and I really still have a lot of questions. So for the Clippers to be in this position, I think that Paul George is going to have to have a similar season to what Stephen Curry had last year to have the Clippers be a real successful team. So I, we also know that if we just base this off Kawhi's previous track record of having his own physicians and being super cryptic with what he's doing, I mean, and hell, we didn't even know that he had surgery on his ACL until like a month removed from when it actually happened. And he doesn't tell the team doctors. He didn't do it in San Antonio. I mean, I don't know what the deal in Toronto was, but I assume it was the same thing. And he's not hes not coming back no matter what this season because ACL rehab takes a long time. And he also is not going to risk it, even though he got the extension this summer. So we all know the Bledsoe effect as well. I think, I mean, just looking back at those Milwaukee series, the Toronto and the Miami ones, Bledsoe was definitely a root issue of the problems. He, it became four on six on an offense because he was a non-factor. He was a non-starter on offense because he couldn't do anything. He wasn't a threat from to shoot, and he would he would still shoot. But 
I mean, say what you will about him, but there were points during those seasons for Milwaukee that he could carry you through. He could carry you through some games, and he could win you some games just because, I mean, he was an all-NBA second defense team a couple years ago. Now, I, I just don't know how to feel about it. I like the Brandon Boston Jr. pick. Um, you got Reggie Jackson, 22 for two. That's a solid deal. Reggie Jackson, I mean, I, I think we joked about it for a good second, but then we realized that his um, numbers were actually legit and that they were here to stay. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Zubats, I like him. Abaka, he's going to come back at some point in this season. I mean, he was going to be their third best player, but he just never played in the playoffs because he was never healthy. I think it was a back issue, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I, this team just isn't the same without Kawhi. Paul George, uh, we saw him that he can carry this team. Uh, at least he did in that those games against Utah and Phoenix last year. But he's going to have to be an MVP level uh, player this year for the Clippers to be to even have a shot at being in the plan. So this may be a controversial pick, but. I'm going with the Sacramento Kings as the other team in the plan. So they're set at 36 and a half. Uh, I think, I think I'd go under. Uh, it's just a lot of, maybe I have a little bit of anti De'Aaron Fox in me. I really, I have questions about can De'Aaron go off the ball more. You have the three guard lineup, uh, that at first I was skeptical. I was, I was of uh, Davion Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, and De'Aaron Fox to close the games. I was skeptical of the pick at first. I really was. But now that I've seen him in preseason, I absolutely love what this team could be because Davion was my favorite player coming out of the draft. I'm not saying he was the best player, but he was definitely my favorite player just because of the grit and determination he played with. I mean, you think back to that Villanova game that he had in the tournament. I think it was in the Sweet 16. Uh, he turned the tide of that game. Like, Baylor may not win the national championship because Robinson Earl was banging threes, and he said, not so fast. And he locks him up, and he's going full court, uh, picking him up 94 feet. I mean, it, he's gonna he's a special player. Uh, Terrence Davis from the Raptors looking great. We have Rashawn Holmes, who is, was outstanding last year. He's going to be the starting center this year. Uh, maybe somebody still has Marvin Bagley stock. I still have maybe like one or two shares of it. Uh, not super high on it, but I still have a little bit of uh, Bagley stock. Uh, but you still have the questions about the people trying to get Bagley and then they were trying to get healed out of uh, Sacramento, just like the little Twitter feuds. And I know that doesn't mean a lot to some people, but uh, the, all the teammates are looking into it and they see it in the locker room and they can, they, they know what's up. So I, I don't know. I, I think, I think they like playing with each other. Um, Buddy healed, I think is an afterthought for a lot of people at this point which is kind of sucks because Buddy Heald is Buddy Heald is awesome. He was going to be the uh, focal piece of that trade that the Lakers were going to do. And then at the last second, Westbrook went to the Wizards, Wizards executive office and said, hey, can you get me to the Lakers? And they said, yeah. And then they opted for Russell Westbrook as opposed to Buddy Heald. And even though Buddy Heald come playoff time 
was probably the better fit. So, and there's a very real chance that someone may light a fire under him with the Lakers trade that almost went down because he's a top five, top 10 shooter off the league. And I mean, I was just, I heard this story one day about him in Memphis and it was an off day. They didn't have practice and someone comes in to FedEx for him and, you know, just for the show and Buddy Heald, he's just, he has one guy rebounding for him. He's drenched in sweat and he's just going, going, he's just shooting, he's just shooting threes and he's during an off day and there's nobody in the gym. There was not one person there and there, he just had one guy rebounding for him and he was just shooting it from anywhere and he was making it and there was no Instagram story of it that he put up as a, a lot of guys do. Uh, e.g. Ben Simmons right now, but uh, yeah, he's he's a special player. And another thing, I mean, I don't know, is Luke Walton on the hot seat? I don't really know. I mean, I thought they would have fired him by now, but I guess not. They haven't made the playoffs in 15 years, and I feel good about this team every year because I've always liked De'Aaron, but they seem to always underwhelm, but maybe this is the year that it changes because... Mitchell is a culture changer guy like that. And Halliburton, he was injured to finish out the season last year. And he seems like a great kid as well. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm really high on the Kings this year. So the next group of teams I have, I listed them under the tankathon. So there's a lot of teams here, but I think the top choice that uh, a lot of people may have been higher on a couple weeks ago because of uh, their general manager's statements towards the optimism of budding superstar Zion Williamson. Uh, we kind of thought, hey, maybe he's going to be ready for opening night, uh, even though he had this foot surgery that we didn't know about over the offseason that we were just informed about last a couple weeks ago. And now it's Zion isn't even running yet. I mean, let, let's get that right. Zion Williamson is not running yet. He cannot run on his legs and he hasn't participated in like active drills yet. He had he can he's done some he's done some stationary shooting and he and he's done some exercises, some stationary exercises. But it just can't get any worse for Pelicans fans. I mean, you're over under set at 38 and a half. You're going to go way under that with Zion gone for presumably what could be maybe the first 3 4 five months of the season and it just can't get any worse i mean he looked rather big he looked rather <laughs> rather he looked rather large at media day i mean it seemed like those new orleans beignets have been doing a number on him and this is his third major surgery on a lower foot uh leg extremity in the past five years um and the fact that griff said during media day that I mean, it was just that Zion would be ready or presumably uh, optimistically he'd be ready. He had optimism that he'd be ready. And now it's just, oh, no, he's not going to be ready for a while. I mean, that's just kind of a lame way to just sell some tickets. And I just don't know what Griff's thing is. I mean, he signed Bledsoe and Adams to those horrific contracts last year. And now he's expecting some sort of praise because he got rid of the contracts that he signed. 
And what did you do? You got Jonas Valanciunas. Like, that's going to make a big difference. Like, what is – he's not – I mean, I, yeah, he's a better player to play next to Zion to protect him, I suppose. But it's not like it's going to change that much. I mean, yeah, he can space the floor a little better. But what? how much more are you really getting from him? I don't think you're getting a whole lot. And you get rid of the Bledsoe and Adams. I mean – yeah, I, I guess that's good, but you got Devontae Graham back. I mean, I like Devontae, but he's not gonna he's not like a real point guard. I hope it's just it's weird. I mean, and then the fact that uh the Lonzo thing, I mean, Zion and Brandon Ingram were effusive in their praise for Lonzo and then they let him walk and they could have matched the offer sheet. I mean, what was it? I mean, not the offer sheet, but they could have matched it. I mean it was three for 85. That's not that bad. And Lonzo's worth that money. He's a good player. He's an elite defensive player. And I mean, that's my other thing. I just, I can't feel bad for small markets anymore. I can't like just pay the man. I mean, we hear all these shenanigans from small markets. Oh, we can't pay the man. We, like, shut up. You could pay the man. You just didn't want to. And I'm supposed to feel bad for you? I, I mean, your, your guy, your star player was saying, let's sign this guy. Like, I want to play with this guy. And then you don't do it. You're not informing the rest of the free world about his injury. And it's – New Orleans is a mess right now. But there's some – positives i guess you can take out of it uh you drafted trey murphy out of uva he's looking phenomenal i mean Devonte graham like he's not superb but he's gonna win you some games because he's a guy who can get on a heater i i hope guys like Nikhil alexander walker and kiara lewis jr can take a step and josh hart's always been a rock solid guy he's a fan favorite but you still have a lot of these questions that about when is zion going to come back and when he comes back, what is he going to look like? How do you integrate him into the lineup that's going to be mainly the focal point of the offense is going to be Brandon Ingram. And we had this same thing a couple years ago. I mean, this it's, it's very frustrating to look at this situation and maybe that Brandon Ingram just puts up a lot of points and they're a rat team, but he gets an all-star appearance. That's about uh, as good as it's looking right now without Zion for this team. And the one other positive, they, they fired Van Gundy and that's a good thing because I don't think a lot of guys really enjoyed Van Gundy as their coach last year. Next team is the Spurs. They're set at 29 and a half. I'd go over. Um, I think the one thing you can say about the Spurs is no matter what pop is going to get them to 30 games, at least, uh, the worst part is it's hard for me to name more than five players on the Spurs roster without looking at Add it off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, you got Brian Forbes back. Uh, people forget he scored more points than Jimmy Butler in the first round last year. Outscored him 60-58. to 58. Uh, I mean, DeJounte Murray could very well be a most improved candidate. Uh, and Josh Primo, I mean, people kind of questioned the pick at first. But, I mean, he's, he's looked outstanding in the preseason. He's looking like he could be a real a real NBA talent one day. And I don't know if anybody else saw this tweet. I, I wish I could remember the guy right now, but I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not giving you a shout out, but if you want dribbling, look at Kyrie. 
if you want shoot in, look at Curry. If you want finish in, look at Giannis. If you want mid-range, look at CP3. If you want defense, look at Kawhi. If you want all of that, look at Josh Primo. Hashtag go Spurs go. So I'm really liking the Primo pick. His defense has looked ridiculous. I mean, he he really can just do it all. Uh, and it's only the preseason, and the preseason can be fool's gold sometimes. But, he, I mean, the Spurs really – They've done a phenomenal job drafting in the past, so I don't see why it would be any different now. But, uh, yeah, uh, you got Keldon Johnson, who had a great experience in the Olympics, uh, you know, playing for pop. But it's I'm, I'm a big believer in Olympic experience and that it, it really improves your game. And uh, I think guys like Levine and Booker are all going to benefit from that. Uh, you have Lonnie Walker, great piece out of Miami. Thad Young, you basically got him back uh, in that DeRozan sign and trade. I mean, that was really all. But Thad Young is going to be a great – he was a great small ball five in Chicago last year. Uh, one of the things you can kind of uh, give them a little bit of criticism about is the Zach Collins signing. I do not like that one bit. I think it was uh, three for 30, three for 33. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but man, it, it, it was not Zach Collins hasn't put on an NBA uniform in a very long time. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, but it's the Spurs. It's Greg Popovich. They're going to get to at least 30 wins. So that's, that's something you can feel good about Spurs fans. I guess you're never going to tank because pop is too good of a coach and he's not going to cave like that. So you're in a weird situation, and I'm sorry for y'all Spurs fans. The Timberwolves. So Carl Anthony Towns has been to hell and back over the past year. He's lost his mother, um, his grandmother. Uh, he lost 50 pounds because of COVID. Um, he's been on a rat organization for a very long time. He's arguably one of the most talented, skilled big man ever, but He's arguably one of the most talented, skilled big man ever, yet he just has horrible pieces around him. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, they thought he was the guy, and then they brought in D'Angelo Russell. And now D'Angelo Russell, uh, I remember a couple weeks ago, he was like, I stand with Kyrie or something, or he was like, preach Kyrie, and you kind of just look at that if you're cat, and you're like, oh my gosh, dude, like, what are you talking, like, you know what I've been through, right? And the guy like Kyrie, who's you know, anti-vaccine or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I've never been the biggest D'Angelo Russell guy. I mean, I think in Brooklyn, he kind of embedded it in Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert that I need to shoot the ball uh, when I get it. And he's just not a great pick and roll operator. Um, I mean, I thought it was crazy when the Warriors said they were, they, he, they were part of, he was part of their future plan. I, I mean, I think that was a ridiculous statement in itself. Um, a bright spot is you can say Anthony Edwards. He's looked much better at defense throughout the preseason. Uh, another negative, which there's a lot more negatives for the Timberwolves as far as things go, but the Gerson Roses firing. I mean, sounded like he had had a scandal and all these other things, but the worst part was is like that was that was Cat's guy in the front office, and I don't know. I mean, the the Chris Finch hiring. Uh, they were, they were improving with Chris Finch as their head coach towards the end of last season. So I'm looking forward to see how he does. Um, you still got guys like Malik Beasley, Josh Okogie, Nas Reed. I mean, they're going to be 
uh, competitive, but uh, I don't know. The, a cat trade could very well be on the way soon enough. Um, uh, maybe the next year or a year after that. But I hard under for 35 and a half. So the Thunder, they're set at 22 and a half. Um, I'd go way over on that. Uh, so they extended Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, he got the Supermax, which rightfully so. Gilgis Alexander, an incredible player. Um, he's just, he does so many things right with the ball. I mean, he's just in the, the body contortion that he's a, able to do i mean he's just as a special passer his three-point shooting has improved tremendously i mean playing with chris paul is an experience like no other for a lot of guys and he really benefited from it even though he was pretty abysmal in that houston series and uh the bubble in 2020 but uh i'm a the biggest gilgis alexander fan out there so i'm really excited to see i mean the thing what they had to shut him down last season because he kept winning games for them they were trying to tank and they said oh no we're just going to put you on the sideline like what was it two months three months into the season and then, then they had to pay al horford to like not play for them and he, it was it was a whole thing i mean uh, like i just th- that's the other thing i have i mean what are the thunder trying to do are they trying to tank because they were they were just trying to just lose every game last season. And then the players ended up being a little too competitive and all the games were close. And then they were losing games. Like they were always staying with teams in the fourth quarter at the beginning of the season. Like they were an actually like really competent team and their offensive numbers showed it, but you know, Pressy just wanted to tank for a pick. And then he ends up selecting Josh Giddy, who's a poor man's Kyle Anderson at best. So I mean, right now at least, I mean, what you can say for Presti is that he has been good at picking in the past. So I like the Trey Mann pick. He was always good at Florida. He can shoot the heck out of the three ball. Um, I mean, they bought Kemba's contract out as well, which is a little weird. I mean, I mean, Presti has kind of become this way station where he just kind of is like, send all your bad contracts my way. And then I'm going to get some draft compensation in return. It's it's very odd. But uh, so, I mean, you have Alexei Pogoshevsky, who has potential to be the greatest player of all time. Kidding, obviously. But he's probably going to run the second unit. Uh, the, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, outstanding pick, great player at Villanova. Uh, he's going to be a guy who plays basketball for 15 years in the league. Uh Hope you, hopefully we get to see Ty Jerome get some more action. I mean, he was looking really good at the end of last season for Oklahoma City. Uh, but, yeah, 22 and a half, uh, I'd go way over on that because they're just a really competent team. And when you have a guy like Gilgis Alexander who's running the show, you're going to be a really good team. And the last team of the 2021 preseason rankings, uh, they may end up being the league pass team of the year, uh, which is the Houston Rockets. So Jalen Green, who may have the most outstanding hair in the NBA uh, since maybe since Kobe White, Jared Allen. Jared Allen's still up there uh, with the, the perfect fro, but he has a chip on his shoulder for being drafted second, which you were still drafted second, but I, I guess it's good. I mean, if that's where you get your motivation and that's how you become a really good solid player then by all means like go for it and 
the other thing that I think doesn't get talked about enough is um, the Kevin Porter Jr. thing. So I want people to stop saying that Cleveland gave up on this guy because this guy was literally abusing a woman and he was like a ticking time bomb in the locker room of the Cavs. So they didn't give up on him. They kind of just made a decision that they didn't want to deal with that. And I think he's become, he's in a much better situation now than he was in Cleveland. Um, he, it seems like he's cooled down a little bit from everything that's been indicated. So he, I mean, and he looks like he dropped 50 points on the Milwaukee Bucks last year, who were one of the best defensive teams in the league. And, you know, it may have been a February game, but dropping 50 against Drew Holiday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Chris Middleton, and P.J. Tucker, and Dante DiVincenzo, and all those guys is an impressive right in its own, whether it's a regular season game or not. But uh, he shows lots of potential. And Jalen Green, has, he can be – he can be another really special player someday as well. I mean, you still have guys like Jay Shante. You signed Kelly Olenek. You got Daniel Tice. Um, so, yeah, I, I like this team. Um, they have, they have a f- uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch on lead pass, but not a whole lot else. I'm excited to watch uh, the 2021 to 2022 NBA season unravel. Uh, it begins tomorrow night. Uh, which are yesterday night to those of you listening on Wednesday. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited for this season. Um, There's going to be lots of great basketball on. There's so many fun players in the league. Uh, It's, it's a truly, that's why I love the sport. That's why I cover it. Um, But I'm really excited for this, this upcoming season. So yeah, thanks for tuning in and I'll be back next week.